Well, I don't know about you, but I hate um, when I'm in the middle of a movie and somebody walks in in the middle of that movie and then starts asking a bunch of questions. You've invested all this time, you're into the story, you're into the plot line, you're into the characters, you know what's going on, and somebody comes in and they're clueless. And instead of keeping their cluelessness to themselves, they want to share it with you. And so who is that guy, and, and why did they say that, and who's mad at who, and, and who has what relationship with who, and why are they running from them, and why are they running up the stairs from the bad guy, and, and it's all these questions and questions, and you're, you're frustrated because you know what's going on, but they don't. How many of you can relate to that kind of movie-watching experience? Some of you are raising your hands very high. <laughs> Like, I have somebody very close to me that does that. Maybe you're the person who asks the questions. You walk in and you're just baffled by what's going on and it really makes absolutely no sense to you because you weren't in it from the beginning. And so you start asking these questions and and you want to know what's going on. You want to know who those characters are. It totally ruins the, the movie watching experience because you can't jump into the middle of a story and really understand what's going on. When you jump into the middle, you don't know what came before. So you don't know the characters, you don't know the plot, you don't know the conflict that's going on. And so it may be a great story, it may be something that is incredibly fascinating and something that's incredibly engaging, but you walk into the middle of it and it's just a little bit of a mystery. I think life can really be like that. It's like we're reading a book in the middle of it, and we don't know what happened at the beginning. It's like a book, it's like a movie, and we've, we've stepped into the middle of this thing, and it's a mystery. And so we have questions that come up because we don't know all the characters, we don't know all the plots, we don't know the when and why and how. And so we're lost and confused. We don't know what's going on. And so we start asking questions of life. We have these mysteries of life, and and some of these are pretty significant questions. Questions of why do people get sick, or why do people lose a job, or, or why do people hurt other people? Why are relationships not reconciled? Why is there cancer? Why is there death? Why is there loss? Why is there grief? We've stepped into this story And at this moment of time, we we look at the the things that are going on around us. We look at the negative things of our life, the brokenness and the hurt of the world that we live in, and then we ask why. Why are we in this place? These are some big questions and questions that we cannot fully answer today. Deep questions that that really take a life of pursuing God and and understanding His ways to really be able to answer some of these. But if we have an understanding of the start of the story, if we know the context in which we walk into, then we can have a better understanding of how those things are answered. Our story that we're in, the life that we're living in, is really in the middle of a story that's already been going on. That when you were born and when your life started, that was not the start of the story. You have come into a story. There is another story that we are walking in. We are only one small part of this story. One small part 
of God's divine journey for us. And so that is why we're going through this series together titled The Story. If, if this is your first day with us, you have come at a good time because we're starting chapter one of the story. And if you're a guest, we would love for you to go pick one of these up from the table in the foyer and join with us in the reading through of this story. So hopefully most of you have one of these and you've already read chapter one. That was your homework for this morning. You've read chapter one. I'm sure we've got 100% participation there and everybody is ready to go. These next few weeks, we're going to be in what we're just calling act one. We're trying to trying to break it up into some smaller pieces. And so act one is these first three weeks where we have the story of creation. We have the story of man. We see this fall of man. We see God building up a nation through Abram. And then that nation ultimately ending up into captivity. And so this is going to be the theme that we're going through over the next three weeks as we look at act one of the story. But with any good story, there is a beginning and as the song go, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. And so we look at the beginning of the story, chapter one. How does the story start? It starts with the beginning. It starts in the first book of the Bible, in the first chapter, in the first verse, with these words here, in the beginning, God created just a few words packed with a lot of meaning. This is setting up the foundation for where we are headed. In the beginning means there was a beginning. There was a start to this. It wasn't something that had just been going on. It was something that, that has a starting point. And so in the beginning, God created. God created what powerful words there that we can quickly go by. If you've read Genesis 1 before, as many of us have, we can quickly go through this. But we're going to slow down and stop in here. God created. The things that we see around us, the life that we see around us, the, the world that we see around us, the universe that we see is something that was created by God. In the beginning, we have a God who created Whatever you see, whatever you observe, it did not exist, but it exists now because there was a creator. And so this first, first part of the story here poetically and artistically describes this story of creation, where on days one, two, and three, we've got the places that God creates. On day one, we've got light and dark. On day two, we've got sky and water. On day three, we've got land. Many of us know the song, day one, day one. And then on days four, five, and six, God creates the things to fill this place, to fill these places. On day four, we've got the sun and the moon and the stars to fill the heavens. On day five, we have birds and, and sea creatures filling the air and the sea. And then on day six, we have animals. This is a magnificent creation, and God looks at it. And, and in Genesis, it tells us that God says it was good. It was good. Creation was seen by God as something that was good. And that's pretty awesome. Pretty incredible. How many of you have ever been awestruck by creation? You've, you've seen something. You've gone to a place. You've had a baby. You have done something where you see creation and you are just awestruck 
you can't help but see God in those things. It makes us want to worship, to see what God has done in this world. Back in 2007, the BBC released a set of videos called Planet Earth. It was a five-disc set. Um, many of those have been kind of rebranded as different Disney movies over the last few years. But it was, it was a five-disc set, 15 hours of footage, incredible, high-definition footage of the planet Earth. Sea and land, mountains and desert. Incredible footage. My friend Jaron Pitts at the branch where I was at, he edited all of this down into a six-minute video set to music. It's a video that has made its rounds. Um, 1.3 million people have viewed this on YouTube. It's a powerful video of creation. It's been shared to millions through venues like this, through the web, and a variety of different places. And so I want us to, to fade these stage lights, and we're going to watch this video, Creation Calls.
God looks and says, it is good. And on a fuzzy screen, you can get a sense of the goodness of creation. There is incredible creativity, incredible wonder, incredible awe in the goodness of creation. But God does not stop there. He does not end with that. He keeps going. He wanted something that goes beyond good. 
And so in Genesis 1.26, we see, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Creation was already good, but, but God did not want to stop there, so he decided to make human beings, and he made it personal. He made us in his image. All of those other things that he created, those were not in the image of God. But this one final thing, this, this crown jewel of his creation was something that was made in his image, in his likeness. All of those incredible things, those are not like God. Those are not in the image of God. He creates us, and we are created in the image of God. Just soak in that for a moment. That all of those incredible images, the wonder and amazement of creation, that's not the image of God. This is the image of God. How incredible to think that, that something was done so personal. Continuing on, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He makes us like him, like God. And then Genesis tells us, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. We have creation that was good, and now we have the, the final touch, the icing on the cake, this, this one last thing, and now creation is very good. Before it was good, and now it's very good. The creation, but, but through the creation of humanity, God took creation to a new place. In the beginning, God created a world without evil, without sickness, without violence or death, without hurt feelings, without insecurity, without failure. It was a world where people weren't met, or weren't mean to each other. They didn't leave each other. They didn't use or hurt one another. This was the ideal world that God had created. It was simply a place of wonder, a place of discovery, a place where humanity could be with God, where they were in relationship with their creator. It was a magnificent paradise. And that's the beginning of the story that we live in. That is the start of it. We walk into the middle of it here, but here is the beginning. That's the story that you're born into. That identifies us and defines us and, and shapes who we are. There is a bigger epic going on here, a bigger story than just my life and just your life. It's a, it's a good story, and it's a story of a creator that has woven into all the details of our lives. God created a world that was beautiful, and the crown jewel of that creation was us. But then we got in the way. He made, he made humans in his own image, he made us to trust him, and he only had one rule. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's off limits. Stay away from it. Stay away from this one tree. 
And then in Genesis chapter 3, we see how well that goes. We have a new character enter into the story, this serpent. Satan comes in, and he is clever. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So this snake comes in, and he has an objective. He has a goal. This is not like any other snake we've ever seen. And he comes in, and he wants to bring confusion. He wants to put a kink into the plan of the Creator. He wants to get between the Creator and the created. And he wants to disrupt the paradise that has been established. And the serpent comes in, and he's not just trying to get Adam and Eve to eat something and eat some, some forbidden fruit. He's trying to plant a doubt in them. He's trying to plant confusion in them. He says, did God really say? Let's start to question God. Let's be a little unsure of what God is saying. It's a subtle question. It isn't the rule that's the point. It's this question of, is God really who he says he is? Is God one that can be trusted? Can we be obedient to him knowing that he has called us to something? And the certain plants, this uncertainty in the minds of Adam and Eve, and they begin to question God, and they begin to think that maybe they have a better answer. Why did he say that? What is he keeping from us? Is there something better? What does he know that I can't know? Why shouldn't we be able to do whatever we want? Why can't we just do what feels good? All the questions aren't so bad, but it's, it's a it's, they're very dangerous ones. These are dangerous questions because the snake is introducing questions into the created. And he begins to steer their thinking and feeling about who God is. He doesn't set himself up as God's enemy. He made God out to be the enemy. God is the one who is to not be trusted. It's a pretty tricky snake there. And they fell for it, and they ate from the tree, and they, they did it believing that God was keeping something from them. They decided that they were wiser than God. They did it because the snake got them to believe that they, they the created, knew better than the creator. They know what's better. And with one bite, Adam and Eve fall and, and, and communicated their lack of trust. They're communicating to God, you said this, but we know a better way. We can do it better. Genesis describes it this way. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked and so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So did you catch that? Eve saw the fruit, and she didn't think, oh, that looks tasty. Oh, I'm hungry. She said it was desirable for gaining wisdom. There was a look there that, that she wanted to know what wasn't hers to know. She wanted the power that wasn't hers to attain. She wanted control that wasn't hers to demonstrate. She wanted a position that wasn't hers to possess. She wanted to be like God. And because she believed that she knew better, she went ahead and did it. And they saw themselves exposed. They felt shame. 
That was the very first sin. Very first sin entering into the world because there was now a rift between God, the creator, and humans, the created. There is now this gap between humanity and God. And it is in that sin, in that decision that, dis- that separated this perfect bond. That what was once good, what was once perfect is now broken. And all of that is what happened in the garden. Everything was perfect just as God had designed it. But in that choice, brokenness was found. One small change, one quick moment, one seemingly insignificant decision, and the destination of humanity goes in a direction that it was never meant to go. With one bite, they made their choice. They didn't trust God enough. And they trusted the snake, and they trusted themselves, and they, they, they saw that as being the wise thing because they thought they knew better. And what follows is a series of curses, a series of consequences that we still feel the effects of today. And they were banished from the garden. Adam and Eve didn't eat of this fruit because they were hungry. God had provided every single thing that they needed. They had everything that their hearts could desire. God was taking care of them. God needed to be trusted to take care of them. But when they ate of that, their eyes were open and they were able to see good and evil. And Adam and Eve ate because they wanted to be God. They wanted that wisdom. They wanted to know what God knows. And so they ate of that fruit. They minimized what God said. They were created to have God at the center of their lives. But with sin, they're saying, I'm going to put myself where God is supposed to be. I'm going to take God out of his place, the place that he deserves as the creator, and I'm going to put me there instead. God, I'm going to replace you. I'm going to minimize you. I'm going to go on without you. And everything you see now, the story that we're in, the lives that we're in, is all, has, has all started there. This is the beginning of that story. What the ancient book of the Bible tells us happened at the very beginning of time has everything to do with you, has everything to do with me. Because while we may not be in that same spot, we may not have been there, we, it has absolutely colored our entire world. The, the, the way we see the world, the way we, we interact with others, the way we interact with creation is based off of this deceit, this brokenness at the very beginning. Every day, you and I are experiencing the fallout of this. We're experiencing the decision that was made in the garden, even though we never got to live in it. And so day after day, you and I make decisions, the same decisions that Adam and Eve make. We make decisions that choose our will, that choose our desires, choose our wisdom over the choices of God. We choose our way over God's way. And our selfishness, our our selfish interests are chosen over God's best designs and best intentions for us. And that has huge implications for our lives today. Bad things happen because Adam and Eve 
didn't trust their God, did not trust the Creator. And we do bad things because we, like Adam and Eve, don't trust the God who started the story. We find ourselves in this situation so often, and maybe it's just the littlest of things, where we place our trust in ourselves. We place our trust in our wisdom, in our intellect, in our emotions, in our experiences. We place our trust there. And we don't place our trust in who God is and what he says he is. And so we fall into those same traps. When we see the story of Adam and Eve, we're really meant to see the story of us. We're supposed to see ourselves in this. And as we go through this story, as we, we start here with not the best day in history. We look at it, and, and in its darkness and in its brokenness, we see ourselves in there. We see our brokenness. We see our desire to put ourselves in the place of God. We, put, we see ourselves trying to figure it out ourselves. We're so bad at that, aren't we? We like to be in control. We like it to be about us. We like it to be about how well I can process this and how well I can figure this out, how well I can control the environment or control the others around me. We put ourselves in that. Instead of trusting the Creator, trusting God, surrendering to Him and allowing Him to be in the place that he belongs. Instead of taking that for ourselves, we remember who God is as the creator. So this is a dark, dark day in God's story. This is quite the way to start a book, isn't it? You start this story and immediately we jump into failure. Brokenness. Complete screw-ups. But chapter 1 doesn't end there. Chapter 1 ends with the story of Noah. And so we see a good God. God has not changed from the very beginning. In the beginning, God created, and nothing about God has changed. It is us that has changed. God is still a good God. God is still the creator. God is still the one that's in control, and he is still pursuing his creation. He is still pursuing his created. And so God comes along and he finds this faithful man, Noah, and says, I'm going to use you to bring blessings to the world. I'm going to use you to bring salvation to the world. And he takes Noah and they get on this big boat with all these animals. And it ends with a covenant between God and humanity once again. God is pursuing his created he is pursuing his loved, and he's pursuing us. And so next week, we're going to look at chapter 2, where God is continuing to pursue his people and builds a nation, builds a people to bless the world. And we see this covenant continue. But for, day, for today, we see this story, and it, and it ends with an attempt to fix something, this this Noah story. And if you've read through it, if you're familiar with the story, it's just a temporary fix. It's just a band-aid. 
things might get better for a few days, a few weeks, a few months, maybe a few generations. But there's still a brokenness. There's still a desire for us to put ourselves in the place of God. And as we progress, these stories continue to point to a greater fix, a fix that's going to require a, a cross, a fix that requires the ultimate sacrifice that comes from God. God is in pursuit of us, and he's not going to give up. He's not going to give up at creation. He's not going to give up at Noah. He's not going to give up all the way to a cross. And so this is the beginning of our story. As we think about walking into a movie and, and, and we get the front end story, this is the story that leads up to this point. This is the context for where we are at. When we ask these questions of why, when we ask these questions of who and, and how and, and this uncertainty of why we are where we are, we see this as the start. This is the beginning. In the beginning, God, a good God, he created. Let's be standing. We're going to spend some time in prayer and, and some time together. This is an opportunity for us to pray with one another and for one another. You can pray in the pews or you can come forward and pray with one of the shepherds. But God is pursuing you. And I don't know what situation you find yourself in today. I don't know um, if, if you've been gone for a while, if, you're, if you've been here for a while. I don't know where you're at in your journey. But each and every one of us find ways to put ourselves in the place of God. We want to do it our way. We want to have it our way. And we find ourselves in that spot. And so let's spend some time praying this morning as, as we are convicted of this. If, if God is showing you something, if God is showing you an area of your life where, where you need to surrender more, then pray about that. Share that with somebody. And let's continue in this journey together as we hold one another up and encourage one another and challenge one another. God, we lift up this prayer time to you. I pray that you will, will show us clearly what you want for us. God, I pray that we will be obedient to what you call us to. As we see how, how we put ourselves in the wrong spot, God, I pray that you will convict us of those areas and that we will surrender those areas to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.